Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Communism. Socialism. Racism. Sexism. Alcoholism. Radicalism. Perfectionism. Atheism. Materialism. We have a lot of isms, don't we, in there? in the English language, kind of a phrase or a term that we use to describe beliefs or maybe systems of beliefs, ways that kind of affect how we look at life and how we look at things around us. They can be religious, they can be secular, but with all respect to altruism and Lutheranism, <laughs> Usually the isms are kind of, I tried to emphasize that, they're kind of a negative thing, right? Or at least the ones that I mentioned, there are good ones like altruism and, and Lutheranism, but isms are kind of generally things to avoid, things to even hate, things that should be eliminated, right? Our gospel lesson that we already heard from Mark chapter 2, kind of gives us an opportunity to think about another ism. This one is religious, and it's very dangerous, and it's very harmful. But I'd like to begin, kind of to get there, with the question that's in the worship folder. Big letters. Why do we go to church on Sunday? So I, I think we can assume as Lutherans, as Christians, as believers in Jesus, um, we want to be in church every chance, every chance we get, right? And it's true. God certainly deserves our worship for everything that he's done for us. We sing Alleluia and praise be to the Lord and thank the Lord for what he has done. But there are a lot of good reasons to worship, a lot of good reasons that are helpful, are beneficial, that are not for God, but really are for us, okay, and for others. Not that we want to take it for granted and come to church out of habit, mindlessly, or to think that just being here physically present in church is what it's all about. But this question, you know, why do we go to church on Sundays? People are, people ask that. Our children are going to ask that. The people that we are reaching out to in this community are asking that. Even Christians of different denominations, of all denominations, are asking that question. Why go to church on Sundays? Maybe I know this isn't something that's came out of the pandemic, right? It's more, it's sort of a movement, things that we can observe. But certainly with the pandemic, and certainly by having live streaming is certainly a blessing and has been a blessing for many people and for all of us. But yet, kind of that begs the question. No doubt it's a blessing, but why go to church? When we can watch and still hear God's word. 
There are many things we can do on Sunday besides come to church, right? Some things that we can only do on Sunday. It's the only time I have to this or that or, or recreation or things that only the weekend can afford. Um, time to, to hike or to play sports or just really re- rest, relax. Why not? Be honest. And during the summer, not sure. I haven't been here often during the summer, but does anything happen as far as coming to church and attendance during the summer here that sometimes happens elsewhere? Does it tend to sometimes go down a little bit? I mean, yeah, it's, it's normal. Why go to church on Sundays? Kind of is the question here. Our gospel reading is helpful. Not that it's going to just spell it all out for us, but it helps us to understand this question. Okay. So Mark chapter two is the reading. It happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And in chapter 2, Mark tells us several events. First of all, if you just kind of, to get the setting here, remember how Jesus healed the man that was paralyzed, whose friends lowered him down through the roof so that they could get to Jesus, and he healed the man, right? But then, more importantly even, Jesus said, I forgive you your sins, remember? And then, immediately after that, Jesus called Levi, a tax collector, you'd say a known sinner, to be his disciple. And after both of these incidents, the Pharisees, now the religious leaders, and we heard about them, they kind of took a step back, criticized Jesus, condemned Jesus. Who is he to forgive sins, right? And who is he to associate and even eat and hang out with sinners, okay? And then they came to Jesus immediately after that, and they asked him, of course, Jesus, why don't you tell your disciples to do more? Why don't you tell them to fast? And then comes the words of our text that we we heard here, okay? And you can see, and I'm just explaining this so that we can understand the context, the Pharisees were not coming to Jesus with an open mind, wanting to learn from the master. They were there to criticize and condemn him and attempt to discredit his ministry. And so as Jesus and his disciples were walking along, now we're at the text that we heard, our gospel reading, the disciples were hungry and they picked some grain and they ate it. No big deal, but it was the Sabbath day. And in the Old Testament reading, we heard about how God wanted his Old Testament people, the children of Israel, on the seventh day to stop all work, drop it, and rest. And the purpose was this day would be dedicated to the Lord, and no work would be done. The Pharisees, again, not with good intentions, not out of curiosity or wanting to learn more, but they criticized those disciples for what they did, because that way they were criticizing Jesus, weren't they? If you get right down to it. Now, a couple of things. First of all, just to be clear, the disciples were not stealing or robbing. The, God's word also provided for the poor, um, foreigners, travelers, that if they were hungry, they could do that. So they were doing something that was not, you know, was not considered stealing. But Jesus also said they weren't breaking the Sabbath day the third commandment. He said so, and he clearly defended his disciples. 
So, and Jesus knew the Pharisees weren't there to just accept his authority and his word. And so Jesus decided that he would speak about somebody whose authority they would accept, King David. And Jesus mentioned, you remember that little story from the Old Testament that Jesus told them, when King David, who had been anointed as the next king, even while Saul was still the king, but Saul wanted to kill David to remain on the throne, and David had to flee to save his life. Remember how he was hiding and hiding out and running? And it turned out one day, he and his men were hungry, they went by the tabernacle and spoke to the priest and asked if they could eat the bread that had been consecrated to God. Remember? And the priest allowed him. Okay? Strictly speaking, David and his men, they ate the bread that was dedicated to God that no one really should have eaten. But yet there was another law at work here, right? The law of love. Strictly speaking, then, Jesus' disciples, they did harvest some grain as they were walking along. But again, there was another law that the Pharisees were missing. is the law of love, right? And sometimes it might seem that love is in conflict with one of God's own commandments. But Jesus is clearly saying here that the goal, the summary of all the commandments really is to love to love your neighbor, okay? And then Jesus kind of made a couple other principles to hammer it home. Jesus, the Son of Man, is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the one that established that day. He's God. And so he has every right to set that aside. And he did so here. And finally, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for men not men made for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath was something that God established for the benefit of people, not so that people would be strictly using that to save themselves, like the Pharisees were thinking. Remember the purpose of the Sabbath that God had in the beginning. Okay, Remember how God rested from his work of creation at the beginning of time. After six days, the Bible says God rested. Now what? Because he was exhausted? Because of God? No. He had finished everything. God rested because everything was done, perfect and complete, right? So God wanted to remind his people of that by setting up that Sabbath day and to give them that day as a time to reflect to work on their relationship with God, to worship Him, to listen to Him, to meditate on His Word, to speak to Him. But the Sabbath also had a purpose for teaching people. Okay? Think about this. The Sabbath had a purpose for teaching something about Jesus who was to come but had not yet come. Following me? The Sabbath taught people about the true rest. And the Bible still teaches that today. Okay? I want, I want to read for you a passage from the New Testament, not the one that we already heard, but from Colossians chapter 2 that touches on this idea, okay, of keeping the Sabbath. 
Even when you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ by forgiving us all our trespasses. God erased the record of our debt brought against us by his legal demands. This record stood against us, but he took it away by nailing it to the cross. Okay? First, there's no doubt about the effect of sin, the seriousness of sin, the consequences of sin, but also there's no doubt that because of Jesus, that sin has been taken away. Okay? But now listen to how Paul continues here to the Colossians. Therefore, now that Jesus has not only taken away sin, he has also taken away something else. Listen. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you in regard to food or drink or in regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were coming, but the body belongs to Christ. God set up that Old Testament day of rest to teach his people that they needed a rest, but not just for their bodies. They needed a rest for their souls. It was a figure. It was a teaching mechanism, right? About something in the future. Now listen as Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And Jews, when Jesus arrived, believing Jews must have said, Aha! Now I get it. That rest that God had us go every week, stop working, was to point us ahead to the true rest that we have only through Jesus. And just as we no longer bring animals to church to sacrifice because Jesus has made the perfect sacrifice for sin of himself, in the same way, there's no need for us to keep a Sabbath day just as was God's will in the Old Testament. Okay? While he was on earth and while he lived on earth, Jesus did not rest until he had fulfilled every requirement of God's law for us and until he had shed every last drop of blood for our forgiveness. And because of that, our forgiveness, our rest in Christ is an accomplished fact. It's done. Just as God's creation was done and he rested, so also Jesus has provided for us a perfect rest through the forgiveness of sins in his name. Sin is a burden. <laughs> it's a burden we carry, all of us, we all carry it around. Sin is also a yoke, something that drives us, something that pushes us. But Jesus says, come to me and you have rest. Rest from your sin and rest from having to work for your own forgiveness. I have given you rest by forgiving your sins. And that's why to follow Jesus, to listen to Jesus, to worship Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to speak to Jesus, is the true rest that we need. It's calming. It's restful. It's refreshing.
When we get to hear from a pastor, from a vicar, from a fellow believer, in God's name, announce to us, your sins are forgiven. What a, what a relief, what a comfort, what a blessing that is. That, my brothers and sisters, is true rest. Rest for our souls. You guys know there are imitations in life. There are generic brands. There are knockoffs. There are pirated copies of music, right? There's also imitation rest. There's a lot of things that promise us rest in our lives. The weekend, uh, sports, recreation, you know, technology, making life easier. A lot of things that promise rest. These can be wonderful blessings from God, no doubt. But our true rest is found in Jesus, in His forgiveness of our sins. And that comes from following Him, listening to Him, and believing in Him. In this, this reading from our Gospel lesson, Jesus, with His words and with His actions, He revealed on the part of the Pharisees, this lack of understanding. The Pharisees kept the Sabbath day strictly every week, every week. Why? Because it was on their list of things to do. It was on their list of things that good people should do, and therefore, we're going to do it. Okay? And every week, they did it. And they even turned, if you think about it this way, the Pharisees even turned rest into work by their wanting to keep the Sabbath. Their problem with Jesus wasn't jealousy because he was a teacher taking their place. Their problem was they thought they could earn their way into God's favor. What do you call that? Legalism. The Pharisees were living in legalism, and as a result, they were proud of what they were doing, and they were quick to criticize others for not doing it. And they were even quick to criticize Jesus, who defended his disciples and correctly applied the word to the situation. And as a result, they were driving their only Savior, Jesus, the only one who could give them rest. They were driving him away. This gives all of us something to think about here. We all have the capacity and we all have a tendency to be Pharisees, to think that what we do is going to gain God's favor, to think that we do things because that's what good people do. And coming to church gives, a, gives the devil the chance to tempt us to that same legalism. Okay, But that would be trying to get to heaven by our works. That's to be avoided. That's to be eliminated. Jesus, in his lesson from the gospel here this morning, gives us this loving, <laughs> wonderful warning against legalism, and he encourages us to joyful worship, our needed rest, and the blessed fellowship with fellow believers. That's why we are here today. That's why we come to church every Sunday. That blessed invitation from Jesus, come to me and you will rest. And that's enough for us. Bring us back here. Listening to Jesus. Drinking in what he says. And really, one day is not big enough. One day is not sufficient. But it is such a wonderful opportunity to rest.
through Jesus and with Jesus. May we always say with the psalmist, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. For Jesus' sake, amen. May the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, may it keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.